Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Whether you're just looking to stay warm during a hunt or need maximum concealment, the clothing you wear can make or break a hunt. At MidwayUSA.com, we understand hunting clothing has come a long way with more meticulously crafted camo patterns, advanced scent control technologies, and weatherproof options to withstand the elements. Hunters have to wait until their favorite season, but shouldn't wait on gear, which is why MidwayUSA offers super-fast shipping. When you're ready for your next system, log on to MidwayUSA.com. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Welcome to Warden's Watch Wild where we talk to wildlife professionals. Brought to you by the Village Gun Store, Whitefield, New Hampshire. I'm your host, Game Warden Wayne Saunders, and this is Warden's Watch Wild. So on this episode of the all-new Warden's Watch Wild, we have Jill Kilborn and Jill... I always mess up your name because I'm so still used to Kelly. So <laughs> I, to this day, I'm, I'm messing that up. And it was funny because I said Kelly the other day and people look at me funny. I'm like, Kilborn, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> K&K, yeah. Uh, but Jill is the reason I started podcasting. It's your fault. Yeah. Just yeah. go to that hunter safety instructor and you started talking about the meat eater and podcasts. And I remember you asked how many people had heard podcasts. It was like maybe 20 or 30 people raised their hands that I wasn't one of them. And you started talking about the meat eater in the latest episode. And I was like intrigued. And on the way home in my cruiser, I, you know, popped up the meat eater and started listening to the podcast. And, you know, when I retired, I was like, what am I going to do? You know, I love my job. What am I going to do? Well, I can talk about it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and podcasts took off super quick after that. They so did. I'm sure. so happy I started when I did because I was just ahead of the, the curb. I was all established and everything, and then podcasts exploded. Yeah. So I got out there a little ahead of the wave, which was nice. 
especially during COVID because everybody went home and they started podcasting. No, so. it is amazing how much it took off mm. during COVID and how much people were seeking that to just some outlet to listen to. Yeah. Connected. And, and so. some outlet to talk too. Yep. Uh, to get their message out. Because if you, if you have a niche, I think you're successful in podcasting or you have to be famous. And, you know, I'm, I'm not famous, so I had to have a niche. So. <laughs> well, there you go. <laughs> but we're, we're starting this whole new um, section of Warden's Watch. And then I, I think my listeners would like to learn about animals. Uh, so I thought maybe having a biologist talk about uh, some animals about you know the habitat um and i know you worked extensively with pine martin new hampshire so i want to start off with that and then i want to go we're going to do some other segments here too that i i get all excited about when when you first came on you did a project with pine martin yeah so i actually started in fisheries (laughs) wow yeah but soon after i got hired full-time working as a wildlife biologist out of the office i realized that um, we had no information on pine martin mm. in New Hampshire, and it was a species that had been listed since the late seventies, when the state first enacted its state list as threatened. Exactly. So it was a state threatened species, one of the only mammals that New Hampshire also had on the list. Yeah. Um, so, and I knew it was a species that was found primarily in the northern part of the state, and so I just kind of jumped into it full full force. Yeah. Um, so I started just kind of figuring out what we had for data and what we needed to figure out. And that was back in 2001 is when I really started doing that kind of work. So, yeah. yeah I remember those days and networking with the trappers. Yep. Um, and getting all your, your Pine Martin data and working with them as far as uh, bycatch, um, exactly. catch and release. And, and then doing some trapping yourself, right? Yep, exactly. So the first place I went to was the trappers because, as, as you know, when it comes to fur bearers in the state – and the knowledge base when it comes to knowing animals, where they are, the biology behind them, our trappers are some of the most knowledgeable folks mm. when it comes to those species. So, yeah, the first person I actually reached out to was Dick LaFleur, uh, who's one of our local trappers in Berlin. And, and Dick had actually trapped Martin in Maine um, and had experience and knew how to, how to capture them and the biology and where they would be found. So had some great conversations with Dick and then I started thinking about well I want to go back and get my master's degree um and Martin just was a natural fit Mm. for that master's work so made some contacts at a couple different universities found a professor that was willing to work with me down at UMass Amherst and so I set up a contract through our non-game and endangered species program went back and got my master's degree working with Martin which was uh outstanding And what's so cool because they were threatened and you've done so much research. And so, and that's, we all want to research on those threatened animals, even yeah. though Maine has a thriving population of Martin, Vermont as well. Nope, Vermont. So Vermont's uh, population is listed as state endangered. Oh, wow. Um, okay. New York actually has a population as well that they actively trap. Mm-hmm. So we're kind of like in the middle of okay. those two two populations. Um, and is it habitat related? Is that why our numbers aren't? Yeah. So for a long time, it was, it was habitat related. So Martin back in the, um, you know, turn of the century essentially is what it comes down to when a lot of New Hampshire had been cut and there was fewer trees, uh, a lot of agriculture that was happening in the state. The the population really took a nosedive mm-hmm. and never really recovered after that. And then as time went on, our forests kind of rebounded, more of our landscape became forested. Martin are very dependent on older 
forests. They like bigger trees. Specifically, they like to have lots of dead and down material on the forest floor. Mm -hmm. um, and that is associated with, um, they're known as subnivian hunters. So they like to get down under the snow in the wintertime and hunt uh, for small mammals and th things like that. So nice. without that structure in the forest, then those, those uh, marten can't get under the snow and hunt for those mammals. So they really kind of key in on those pockets of places that have that type of structure in the forest. Wow. So here in northern New Hampshire, the places that that habitat is most prevalent and is best for marten tends to be in our higher elevation forests. The further south you get in New Hampshire, the higher up marten go in elevation. So in the White Mountain National Forest, where we have big chunks of high elevation, awesome habitat, that is really where we saw the kind of the core of our marten population existing and um, persisting probably as the population took its nosedive, we probably still had some animals found in that higher elevation habitat over time. And eventually as that population began to increase, um, we got some animals probably coming over from Maine. They started to recolonize the areas found in northern Coas County. Tend to be more high elevation spots. Then as you get up into Pittsburgh, those marten were found kind of throughout Pittsburgh and not necessarily confined to the high elevation habitat. And as we're talking about Martin, I'm wondering if my listeners even know what a Martin yeah, is. I was no, like, I'm like flashback. I'm like, <laughs> you know, we, we take it for granted sometimes because we've worked with these animals for our whole careers. And yet our listeners go international on this. So they're, they're thinking Martin. I don't know any guy named Martin. So yeah. <laughs> No, that's a great point because mm. often when I go out and do talks on them, the, one of the first things I start with is not the purple Martin, which is the bird that yes. a lot of people mess up. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it, it's American Martin or Pine Martin, uh -huh. or um, in in Europe, a lot of people refer to them as sable. Okay. Um, so it's a member of the weasel family, um, highly related to fisher, badgers, some uh, uh, short tail weasel, long tail weasels, mm -hmm. ermine. Those are all in the same category. So Martin are kind of in that in between size. They're a little bit smaller than a female fisher. So female fisher usually like two to five ish pounds. The biggest you get for a Martin is probably about two, two and a half pounds for a large male Martin. So they're kind of between ermine and fisher in size mm. but they have this really beautiful thick coat in the summertime they're like a deep char chocolate brown with a chartreuse bright orange throat patch and then that throat patch kind of gets to be a more duller kind of creamy orange color in the winter time and the coat turns to like a tawny kind of light colored brown in the winter time so they change a little bit in their color between mm. seasons Wow, I didn't know they changed that much. That's cool. Yeah, yeah. No, there's, there's males and females. Do they have any different colorations too? No, or they're, they're both colored the same, same way, thing. and they both have the the bright orange throat patch. It's just the the body size really is what tells the difference between the the male martin and the female. So males usually around two two and a half pounds. A females usually around a pound pound and a half. Huh. See, this is why I wanted to do this Warden's Watch Wild, because I, I, I'm learning stuff sitting here that I thought I knew everything about Martin, and guess what? Yeah. Well, I've been thinking about him for a long time. Yes, so. you have. You have. And I, and I remember through the process, and, and we're to the point in, here in New Hampshire that Martin uh, are, are thinking about being changed over from off the threatened list? Or? So we actually removed them. We did. From the state list of threatened Excellent. species in 2017, which awesome. was was. An awesome achievement, and yeah. it was a it was a great thing. In the process, we've done a, ramped up our monitoring a little bit. Mm -hmm. So we actually did some work to try and figure out Martin densities in the state. 
through a technique of taking photos of their throat patches, mm. which allows us to actually individually identify Martin. And so it's like a fingerprint. Exactly. Nice. And then we do like a mark recapture study. Uh-huh. And through that, we can actually get density information. Uh-huh. Um, and so we did that um, throughout where we know we have Martin in New Hampshire, right after we delisted them, so that we had kind of a benchmark to work off of for density information in the state. And the, the hope is as we move forward, if we need to assess where the population's at, mm-hmm. we can go back and redo that study and have that baseline data to kind of compare to. Huh. Yeah. Very, very, very interesting. So uh, uh, that's great. And is our other states doing similar research? I know you said Vermont uh, is on the, uh, they still on the endangered list in Vermont? They are. So Vermont has some similar research going mm-hmm. on. Their population is much lower than ours is, but I think they're- Again, habitat related. Habitat related, but it's really this interesting dynamic that I think happens between Fisher and Martin. So there's mm-hmm. competition that exists between the two species. Right. And when you tend to have high Fisher densities- and high fisher population, I think it kind of keeps martin populations lower. Um, when you see a decline in your fisher population, I think that's when martin kind of have the opportunity to increase on your uh-huh. landscape, um, specifically in those places where they overlap. Right. And it's another reason why we tend to find martin more in that higher ele- elevation habitat, is fisher are limited in those right. habitats. They have big feet, they sink in the snow, they can't cruise around on, on top of the snow like martin can, mm-hmm. and then they don't go under the snow. Like right. the Martin do. So Martin kind of have those little islands of lower competition areas that they can be found in. Wow. And so in Vermont, I think they're kind of on the cusp of where those two pieces of habitat are coming mm-hmm. together, how dense their fisher populations are, and Martin are just starting to take off in those higher elevation habitats. It just so takes a long time. Right. So certainly in happen. northern species... Exactly. Where, where does the line cut off as far as American Martin? Do you so like? Martin in New Hampshire, we kind of consider the southern edge of the whites okay. as the edge of their core distribution in New Hampshire. And do they go across the top of the country as far as states? Yes. So circumboreal is what they call them. But mm-hmm. I would say anywhere in your northern forest in the northeast mm-hmm. with higher elevation habitat. In Vermont, they're actually found at the southern edge of the greens. So almost on the Massachusetts border. They actually have a population in the high elevation habitat in the greens down there. Mm. And then as you get into the Adirondacks, they're in the high peaks portion of the Adirondacks. And do they continue on like Minnesota, Wisconsin? Minnesota, Wisconsin. And then you get out out west and they have um, Oregon, Oregon, Washington. Washington. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so so just that that northern tier of the country probably. Exactly. Yep, and, it, and it's interesting dynamic out west. You know, there's places where fisher are actually listed and martin are the more common species. Interesting. So it's all habitat driven and, and, mm-hmm. and how the biology works with the two species, for sure. Right. Jeez, well, thank you for expanding my knowledge on uh, the American martin slash pine martin slash sable. Yeah. So all the same animals. No, I really appreciate it. And thanks for uh, starting with me with podcasting, too. On that this is great. Edge. I love so, it. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Jill's been involved with Hunter Education for a lot of her uh, a life which I always gravitated to anyways uh, that educating our future and yep. so that's 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 been really cool that you've done that and worked with trappers and you've been a certainly an asset to the New Hampshire Fishing Game Department and uh, certainly an asset today to, to, to everybody that listens to, to learn a little more about uh, the American Martin. Good Thank stuff. You. Yep. Yeah. 
welcome to Warden's Watch Wild, where we talk to wildlife professionals. Brought to you by the Village Gun Store, Whitefield, New Hampshire. I'm your host, Game Warden Wayne Saunders, and this is Warden's Watch Wild. life that has the stories to back it a life to be proud of it's a winchester life yeah baby six eight western a mule there baby right there tune in every tuesday at 7 p.m eastern on waypoint tv